Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to C3 Corumbans podcast. We want you to know that you are loved by a God who is love. So good to have you with us. Why don't you enjoy this week's sermon? Welcome, welcome. Incredible to meet you. If we haven't met yet, my name is Dan. My wife Hannah and I get the honor of pastoring this incredible church. We want to welcome our Zoom members as well. Can we turn around and say hi to the camera at the back? We love you guys. We're sending love to you. Hope you're doing well over in mostly New South Wales, also Queensland members who are unwell and couldn't be here today. So good to have you tuning in and joining us right now. Before we get into our preaching this morning, I'd love us to pray for a couple of things, if that's okay. We're a church that believes in the power of prayer. I was even talking with some, some members this morning, uh, the Friday sorry morning, just to, about that constant tension of prayer. It's a strange thing, isn't it? It's like, do, do things not happen because I don't pray? I mean, if I don't pray, is God just going to do it anyway? So therefore, what, what purpose is my prayer? Or the other end, if I pray, God has to do it, right? Because I prayed in Jesus' name and this tension of how God desires things to happen in our community, in our worlds, and the avenue often that He has allowed those things to be fulfilled, manifest, carried out, is through prayer. Prayer accomplishes a lot of God's will. (laughs) That's the tension I find. And so we're going to pray for some beautiful things this morning, and we're going to stand on God's Word, and His Word says in James 4.2, you have not because you ask not. So we're going to believe for some miracles to happen, and we're also going to completely trust that God is better than us, and He's good, He's loving, He's kind. And we're going to do everything we can for these miracles to happen, but we're going to trust his heart in the process. Amen? So some things we're going to pray for this morning, uh, some people that need healing and some people that need comforting. Uh, Firstly, we had a funeral here on Friday of uh, a young girl who was gone way too early. And the family does not go to our church without giving away details. I shouldn't. Um, But they have had a lot of help over the years through Leanne and Merrill and our food relief program. And so we got to do the funeral here and we just said, absolutely no cost. We just want to be here and serve you guys and help out. And they were really blessed by that. But what I wanted, and we were praying upstairs, John, Lee and I were just praying, Holy Spirit, touch them here. Sow seeds of life. Um, without saying anything I shouldn't, this was a family that drastically needs the love and healing power of Jesus Christ. And I'm sitting there just weeping. I'd never met this girl, but photos pop up and she looks like Dawn's age with like a little haircut and you just, your heart breaks. And so can we pray that the Holy Spirit would comfort them this morning first? Join with me. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you so much. You're a good, loving God. You are life and you are light. And Lord, we thank you that your victory on the cross now takes away the sting of death and sin. And so, Lord, we pray two things we never know, God, but you do, is who makes it to heaven and when are you coming back? And so, Lord, we pray and we pray that this beautiful girl is in your arms. If there is any way possible at all, I thank you now she is free of pain and suffering and trauma and she's standing in the author of life's presence for the rest of eternity. And God, right now we pray for this family, the grief and the pain and the hurt that is going on. Holy Spirit, we pray for supernatural comfort to be with them right now, that even without knowing it, they would sense you there. God, we thank you. We stand on your word in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11. You place eternity in the heart of every person. 
We believe that every person will entertain the thought of an afterlife and entertain the thought of God, entertain the thought of creation. I pray as they do so this week, this month, this year, this Christmas season, God, give them eyes to see you, that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened, as you promised that only you can do. Help them see that the cross was for them. Help them see that you love them. Help them see that salvation is on offer for free. We pray for salvation to fill this family in Jesus' name. Do what we cannot do. Save them, God. Make them born again. Make them, make, make them alive. Bless us with that miracle, the greatest miracle and the greatest blessing that ever exists, salvation. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. The other people we're going to pray for for comfort right now. And once again... I am not engaging in any kind of political debate right now or debate about what is right or wrong to choose right now. However, Hannah and I, our calling is to shepherd members of this church, anyone who feels like this is home. And right now in our family, some people are losing their jobs and not being able to see families and friends and cross the border because their conviction is not to take the vaccine. And so I don't want any kind of thoughts or judgments or thoughts. We're going to pray for them right now. Anyone who is losing work and anyone who is uh, scared and nervous about what next year looks like, what we're praying is Holy Spirit to comfort them. We're praying for supernatural blessing that in their decision, God would be God. He'd be faithful and true and wonderful. Amen. Let's pray for them. Lord, we love you so much. God, we couldn't see this coming. And Lord, we, we choose, we, we make a decision to make no other mountain to die on other than you and your gospel and your word. And in the midst of that, all these other convictions and feelings and th thoughts that we have, Lord, I thank you that in doing so, Lord, that our number one peace would be that we are found in you. We trust you. Every one of us, every plan and decision we have to make, especially right now, we surrender to you. And whatever we have peace on, we trust that you are with us. So, Lord, we uniquely pray right now for anyone who is losing work, anyone who is isolated from friends or family or help or support in this season. God, we thank you so much that you are the God of comfort, that in our trials and persecution and suffering and loneliness, Lord, you are with us. You never leave us nor forsake us. God, I thank you for these people losing work. We thank you that you meet all of our needs according to your riches in heaven. We stand on that scripture in Philippians 4.19, it shall come to pass. Lord, I thank you so much. These people will be supernaturally provided for while also not making a decision that they don't feel your peace on. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you, Lord. Two more prayers this morning that have just been stirring on my heart are for people with cancer. And one of them is near and dear to us. It's Pastor Wendy. Uh, I think she's tuning in right now. You know we love you so much, Pastor Wen. We're with you every step of the way. For the last three years, she's been battling cancer. And it's been a really, really difficult last month. And the doctors have decided to stop the current treatment she was on. And in the new year, explore some new options. But we believe in a God of miracles. So we're going to pray for her in a moment. We're also, it's a little bit of a different one, but I'd, I'd ask us to join as the body of Christ and believers, someone who I've never met, but has impacted my, my relationship with Jesus and revelations of Jesus so much, is Tim Keller over in New York City. He has written several books, uh, church planting networks around the world, truly been a gift to the body of Christ in the last 30 years. 
right now has stage four pancreatic cancer that is also taking a turn for the worse. And so can we pray for both of these people? We'll pray for uh, Tim Keller first and then we'll pray for Pastor Wendy. Well, Lord, we 100% believe that you still do miracles. Let us have faith that believes for impossible things to happen. Lord, let us have faith that believes you're still a miracle working God. Let us join with the apostles in Acts 4 and the disciples and the believers in Acts 4 when they cried out and prayed right now, Holy Spirit, give us boldness to preach your word and stretch out your mighty hand and you perform miracles on earth. So we pray for the same thing. Give us a boldness to preach the gospel and you stretch out your mighty hand and do miracles that we cannot do. God, right now we pray for Pastor Tim Keller. We pray for a miracle to fill his body. In Jesus' name, complete healing power. Lord God, we have a faithful member here. Just like you healed Mark Vandersloos of pancreatic cancer, you will heal Tim Keller of pancreatic cancer as well. Lord God, we believe in miracles today. They exist and they happen. We pray these things to happen in your name. We thank you for this gift to the body of Christ. We praise you for that. Lord, we thank you for Pastor Wendy. Faithful and true. Good and faithful servant who has held on to you for decades. Who has put her hand to the call of God on her life for decades. Who has built your kingdom with you for decades. Right now, comfort her. In Jesus' name, number one, all pain is gone out of her body. Right now, in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ, we speak that into her life. Right now, pain is gone. And Lord, if it is possible, we speak a complete miracle into her body. Cancer is dissolved in Jesus' name. It has no right or authority in her body. It is gone. This is a miracle for your praise. This is a miracle for your glory. This is a testimony that will fill the hospitals to the goodness and grace of God. Lord, we pray for Pastor Graham. Comfort him, Holy Spirit. Be with him. Strengthen him in this time. We thank you for Lauren and Jeremy, for Kelly and Quentin, Lord God. In Jesus' name, we pray for the grace to fill him and comfort them. Holy Spirit, in this season, God, you are good and you are in control. So we believe and we pray and we plead for a miracle to happen. And God, we also trust you. In every high and every low, we trust you. You're a good God. You're never leaving us. You're never forsaking us. You are never out of control. So we trust you, God, that you will work all these things together for your good, for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. We believe that in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, let's give God some glory. We thank you, Lord. A few years ago, we had a guest speaker that I just loved a challenge they said after praying for a miracle. They said, now here's the challenge. Don't take your eyes off Jesus and look to whether the miracle happened. Otherwise, your faith is in the outcome of the miracle. Our faith is in the author and perfecter of faith. And the Bible says very clearly in Hebrews 12 too, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. And so let's not now go, okay, well, we'll have faith if these outcomes happen. Our faith is alive and well because of Jesus the author of our faith. So let's hold on to him. All right, shall we finish? Go get lunch? No. <laughs> Pretty good. Plowman's lunch. It's going to be delicious, isn't it, mate? What's on the menu? <laughs> it's uh, on the menu today is for anyone who puts their hand to the plow and does not look back. They're worthy of the plowman's lunch. And so, just kidding. That's a weird Bible verse. Remember? Anyone who puts their hand? Okay. All right, we're going to get into the preaching series. Uh, we've been preaching the last two weeks on I Have Come. I wanted to focus this Christmas season on reasons that Jesus came. When he said, I have come for this, it was very important for him. Let's never stop 
being blown away is a phrase, just standing in awe of the fact that the uncreated stepped into creation. The author of life penned himself into the book. This is crazy. And as he came down, he came to accomplish a bunch of things. Pastor Steve White looked at how he came to give us life and life abundantly. And we preached all of this January on uh, that word life means zoe. And it's never about a life of prosperity and you will never be lacking in finances. It's never about you'll never be sick. It's never about you'll never have a tough time. It's something so much bigger and better than that. Zoe life is an eternal life. Every time it's used in John, it's speaking about eternal life. And what it means is when Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly, he came to give us the kingdom life, the kingdom life now. You have that within. That is on offer for you today. And so when we hold on to that, we're going to hold on to that kingdom life. And then last week we looked at Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. We looked at Zacchaeus, helping people get above the noise of the garbage going on in our world right now, the tension going on in our world right now. Help them get above the noise and see Jesus clearly. And when they see him clearly, he's going to let them know that he has always known them. They're going to joyfully welcome him. And then they're going to abandon idols once they discover the true, truer and greater God. And today I want to look at how Jesus said, I have come to serve. Huge, right? Huge. Uh, let's get into these passages. If you have your Bible, please head over to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. Reading out of the New Living Translation today and picking up in verse 20. The mother of James and John, if you're not sure who they are, they're two of the main disciples of Jesus Christ. Um, often it was Peter, James and John who were the three who were allowed into certain spaces with Jesus. They were some of his closest, closest disciples. And that changes things. The mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectively, respectfully, respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request? He asked. And she replied, In your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus answered by saying to them, You don't know what you are asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? Oh, yes, they replied. We are able. Jesus told them, You will indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. My Father has prepared those places for the ones He has chosen. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, remember that bit, what James and John had asked, they were indignant. But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the world lorded over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Beautiful. I always thought it would be a funny t-shirt of Jesus with a tennis racket about to serve and that verse on top. Anyway, all right. Uh, One more if you're taking notes. Philippians chapter 2. Verses 5 to 11, I'm going to read out of the message translation. 
Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and died a selfless, obedient death. The worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God lifted him high and honored him far beyond anyone or anything ever. So that all created beings in heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried, will bow in worship before this Jesus Christ and call out in praise that he is the master of all to the glorious honor of God the Father. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you, God, for helping us continue to kill cultural Christianity and understand that this passage means so much more than serving on a roster once a month. Help us see the joy in living our entire lives as servants and slaves for people in our community for your glory and your praise. Help us discover the joy a greater joy than that which comes through being served. Help us discover the joy of serving everyone everywhere for your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus came to serve. Phenomenal. Absolutely mind-blowing truth. Amen. And I, I think this passage is increasingly relevant for, for Christendom today. If anything, I think that, you know, after COVID and, and in this age that we live in, in my opinion, the world is not so focused or, or caught up or wowed by great events the church can put on, or great services the church can put on, or even great statements the church can say. I, I think the world is needing and truly not only impressed, but truly changed and transformed by a church that is focused on serving them. A church that is focused less on what to say and highlighting truths, but a church that is focused on being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. In my opinion, the church right now, the world right now is needing light and salt to be out there. Shining bright and letting people know to taste and see that the Lord is good. The kingdom of God is here. Tim Keller, as we prayed for before, says this beautiful verse. I've said it so many times before, but he says, You cannot have community and ultimate freedom. You cannot have community and ultimate freedom. And often what we need to understand is that we want ultimate freedom. I, by nature, if I don't self-check, I want freedom. I, I want to spend my money on what I want to spend my money on. I want to do, I want to go surfing when I want to go surfing. I want to live the way I want to live. I want ultimate freedom. But if I'm going to be in a community and if I'm going to live on mission for God, I need to see that that ultimate freedom needs to be surrendered back to God, taking on His freedom. If we push really far, I think we'll all agree that when people are given ultimate freedom, all we were left in, mankind was left in this state where it desperately needed saving from a Savior. We didn't build a utopia, friends. When we had ultimate freedom, we don't build perfection. 
Instead, if anything, selfishness is highlighted. Pain and suffering, ego is, is highlighted. I think the freedom and the joy that we actually crave in ultimate freedom is discovered when we don't have ultimate freedom. Mark Sayers, he's incredible commentator, pastor from, from Melbourne, and he's, he always talks about this wonderful truth. He says, the most creative people I discover actually flourish the most when there's boundaries set around them. He's even talking on his podcast this week. He goes, you know, it's fascinating if you say to people, oh, just make any form of art. Like, most people just kind of feel lost. He's like, they don't know where to start. They don't know what to do. But he said, look, if you, if you say, okay, it's a film festival. I want you to make a movie. And in this movie, there has to be a lemon and one line in French. People like start flourishing. They're like, okay. And their creative juices just flow. Their freedom goes crazy when there's some restrictions. See, if you're given ultimate freedom, you're not actually your freest. <laughs> but when you are a servant of Jesus Christ and therefore on mission to everyone you know, trust me, you'll discover the most freedom there. You will feel so free. And that's past, this passage here, I want us to break it down in the Matthew 20 and compare it to Philippians 2, just with a couple of things that jump out to me. Number one, I think we need to actively kill self-promotion. Actively kill self-promotion. In your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. I'll get to that message verse soon. Now, some, you know, you might say, oh, but it wasn't James and John. They weren't self-promoting. It was the mum. She was the one who came. But, you know, verse 24, a little bit later, it actually says clearly, when the other ten heard what the two had asked, they were indignant at James and John. When Jesus heard it, it says he, he rebuked them for what they were asking. Let's not forget, they're called the sons of thunder. Once again, any chosen fans out there, you remember this moment where James and John want to call down thunder and fire from heaven to consume these sinners and Jesus is like that's not the way we do things that's not the mission so it's quite easy it's quite easy to you know say this 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 moment was James and John saying I want to be up there I want to sit at the right and left hand and what we need to see is this is the essence of sin we talk about it a lot here I, I, I keep pushing one thing let's not limit sin to an action Sin is not, you know, lust or greed or envy or bitterness. Let's not limit it to those things. At its essence, from Genesis 3, when sin entered the world, that the lure, the enticing nature of sin, in essence, is this. Eat this fruit and you will be like God. At the heartbeat of sin, at the heartbeat of what lures us away from God, to live our own life, to, to do what we want, is to be in control, to promote ourselves so that we have all authority and we have all freedom. Sin is to be like God. It's even, if we can go this far, it's according to a Christian orthodox point of view, it would also be the way that Satan fell from heaven. There's very few black and whites about how what happened before creation and Satan's role in heaven. Very few black and whites. Um, we have to kind of assume some passages in Isaiah and Daniel are speaking about him without it actually saying it's speaking about him. But one of them, in Isaiah chapter 14, you will read about the king of Babylon. 
And many, com- it's not a random, you know, one-off thought. Many commentators will agree that this is speaking about the devil. But what it says is, he said in his heart, I will take my throne and set it above the stars of God. In other words, Satan tried, he was an angel in heaven who tried to promote himself to glory. And I think it's verse 12 and 13 of Isaiah 14, it says, but you were brought down to the grave. He tried to promote himself. He tried to elevate himself. And it's literally what brought on his downfall. Why would we think it's any different for you and I today? If you are living a life that is purely focused on your promotion, you getting ahead. I need to get ahead in in business. I need that promotion at work. I need more pay coming in. I need more. It will result in your downfall, I promise you. But if you are living a life on mission for Jesus Christ, focused on his glory, focused on his praise, focused on help me live a life for your glory, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. If you are living this way, God will promote you. But I'm going to finish with that. We have to actively kill self-promotion. It's the essence of sin. Here, James and John, I love, I kind of love this aspect of James and John as well. You have to laugh. They're like, no, 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 we're not not doing what the devil did. We're not saying we want to be above you, Jesus, just above everyone else that's ever lived. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's like, no, Jesus, we don't don't want to sit above your throne. You sit on the throne. You're awesome. Can we just be right and left? You know, like we're more superior than everyone else who's ever walked to the earth, Moses and Abraham and Noah and those kinds of people. But, you know, not above you, God. It's all good. There's levels of self-promotion. We have to actively kill it, friends. Trust me. In essence, we're striving for our own ease, lifestyle, and praise. We have to actively kill it. Second thing, we have to actively serve people around us. We must actively serve the people around us. Verse 26 and 27, still in Matthew 20, Jesus says, Whoever wants to be a leader among you must must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. Sorry, the last one. Sorry, Tash. Can we get the last one up? I forgot to go back compare it to Philippians 2. Can we get the last point up? Actively kill. Thank you so much. This is how Jesus killed a co- like any self-promotion. It says here he had equal status with God. He had it, but he didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling on to it with the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside his privileges of deity took on the status of a slave. Very clearly, while that's there, it's a side topic preach, but every time we touch on this verse, I want to highlight it because it's a truth you need to have. It's one of the most important truths, truths in my opinion, is this, because I hate hearing preaching that's the opposite. Jesus did not lay aside his deity when he became a man. He lay aside the privileges of his deity. Do you see the drastic difference in that point? Some popular preachers are preaching, Jesus laid aside his deity. He was just a man until he was empowered by the Holy Spirit and carried out the will of God. You are just like Jesus. You're a person who can be empowered by the Holy Spirit and you could do what Jesus did. There is nothing more offensive to me in all of Christendom. Jesus wasn't omnipotent, omnipresent or omniscient while on earth. So he wasn't omnipotent. He didn't know everything. It's why Luke chapter 2 says he grew in wisdom and understanding. He wasn't omnipresent. He, He walked from place to place. And he wasn't omnipotent. He got hungry, he needed to sleep, he got thirsty, and eventually he was able to die. Cool? He lay aside the privileges of deity, not deity itself. Okay, and then verse 2. We must actively serve people. Thank you so much, Tash. We must actively serve people around us. Jesus set this example. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. 
This is, this is our God, friends. This is wild. No other God would do this. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. Rhetorical question. Could you truly say you'd be happy with that? Could you truly say, as you are about to cross the finish line of your time here on earth, you're about to enter glory with God, that you are just so content and happy that you lived a selfless, obedient life? No other accolades, no no other amazing things, no other things to brag about, just this. Jesus, I did it. I lived a selfless, obedient life. That is the pinnacle and highlight of there. Guys, we have to actively serve. We have to actively take ourselves and, and put ourselves under and serve people. You have to actively see how we can help. Just basic, practical things. How can we serve people in our street? How can we serve our neighbors? How can we serve each other, even when we're not rostered on? How can we help each other out? Now, um, I think it was Rick Warren who originally said this, a very crucial thing about serving and humility beautiful statement please remember this he said humility is not thinking less of yourself it's just thinking of yourself less crucial i'm not asking you to just hate yourself and have a horrible self-image like i'm so worthless oh, i suck at everything i'll jump on the cleaning roster oh awesome how come because i'm awful like that's not the goal like that, that's not the win it's not thinking less of yourself it's just not thinking of yourself as much. Phenomenal thing <laughs> that in Numbers, Moses wrote about himself. Moses was the most humble man to ever live. <laughs> it's pretty fascinating, right? But it's just thinking of yourself less. So when it comes to us serving people and living a life where we actively serve people, here's the mindset I want you to have. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's just not thinking of yourself as much. Think of other people more. Think of who you could help. Think of who you could, before Christmas maybe even, if, I know Christmas is just crazy and busy, all right? So I'm not going to ask something that's not uh, achievable. Maybe just one person, one phone call, where you encourage them and you ask questions. One person, one phone call, where you encourage them and you ask questions. Less about you having all of the answers to what they're going through. Just listen. Just be there. This is actively serving people. I, trust me, I'm not bragging. If anything, I'm highlighting my humanity. But, you know, I, we, we've got neighbors that I, I struggle with a little bit. <laughs> we'll just put it like that. There's a, I won't describe them in case, God willingly, they one day come to church. But, you know, there's, there's struggle. And uh, yes, afternoon, you know, it's about to storm, and I see it coming, and I'm like, okay, cool. I go and mow the lawns. They're getting crazy, and they, they never mow their lawns. When I say, like, knee high, I mean freaking knee high, and it's just like, okay, there it is, in all its glory, and I'm mowing the front of our lawn yesterday, and, you know, I'm not going to say, like, oh, and an angel appeared, or God so clearly. You just get prompts, right? You, you just get feelings, and I always ask, it's either me, God, or the devil, and... Often the devil's not asking you to give some money away or help someone. So I'm sitting there and just thought, okay, mow their lawn. I was like, get behind me, Satan. No. <laughs> but 
sitting here, I'm seriously, I, I, I wish I had a better testimony to give right now, but three times, I was like, no. I was like, I'm not, they're just lazy. I'm not doing it. Like, no, blatantly no. It's like, go mow the lawn. I'm like, no. And the, the clearest thing, I, I wish that, this isn't a great story, but I was just, the clearest thing that hit me, and I want to believe it was God, but it was just this, it was so clear this thought came to me and it said, Dan, when have you ever regretted blessing someone? And I was like, that's it. Like, what if there's no other outcome? What if in all our prayers and discussions with them about why, you know, crystals can't get them to heaven but Jesus can and, you know, all these genuine conversations we have with them, but what if they never come here? What if they never open a Bible? Am I happy to just serve them? So very begrudgingly at the start... (laughs) Can I flip and mower over there? I'm gonna, uh, uh, I'm mowing. It's so long it conked out two or three times. My whippersnipper couldn't even cut it. And I'm like mumbling under my breath like Muttley the dog. It's just like bitter. And as I'm doing it, you just feel this other thought. Like, do you think I like a begrudging one? A servant? And I'm like, ah, oh, freak. Like, thank you, Lord. You are so good. I love you so much. And there might never be a follow-up to that story. I'm not bragging. I'm foolishly and, and very much still human. <laughs> but I'm just sitting there going, Lord, this, is, this, is, this might be all you ask of me, to just serve randoms, like just to live a life, getting no praise. They're kind of random. You know. But imagine if, you know, if I serve for the outcome. I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, Lord, you know I'd mow their lawn if they came to church. He goes, what if they don't? I'm like, is it worse then? You know, like, ah, it's not going to change anything. Why do it? You know, <laughs> honest thoughts that go on in my head. Um, and I just felt this thing of, because I've asked you to serve. Okay, sweet. Go and do it. You goose and say you mow the lawn. But living this life, I, 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 John 12, 24 is just rolling in my head. John chapter 12, verse 24 Unless a grain of seed falls to the ground and dies, it cannot produce fruit. Now that in essence, in its most beautiful form, is speaking about Jesus Christ. Laying his life down for you and I. But it's also speaking about you and I. Unless you die to yourself. Unless you completely surrender your future plans and all of your possessions, all of your gifts and talents to the Lord right now. Completely die to yourself. You won't start producing kingdom fruit. But every area that you lay down at God, here you go, God, I'm giving that to you. And you let it die, I believe he will use it for his glory. You might never see the outcome of that, but he will use it for his glory. Because he's good and he's faithful. Let's not forget, it's a big verse, what I'm about to say. I know it's a big one, but it's also, it's in the Bible. So if you don't like it, take it up with Paul one day when you get up there, but... The essence of serving and being a slave, it must become your slave. Sometimes we read servant, we're like, yeah, I could be a servant because it feels noble. Slave does not feel noble. Let's be honest. Hey, guys, are you willing to serve God all the days of my life? Are you willing to be a slave? No. (laughs) Absolutely not. Don't even use that word, but it's in the Bible because what it does is it removes decisions. Someone serving on a roster has a decision. Slaves don't have decisions. So the verse to finish this point with is 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Honor 
God with all of your body. For you are not your own, but you were purchased at a high price. So honor the Lord with your whole body. It's pretty big, right? You are not your own. Hey, Christian, you are not your own. So honor God with your body. He purchased you with a high price. Okay, sweet. So now it starts to remove the, I'll only serve you when it's noble or I can do an Instagram shout out about how cool I am. It removes that. It's like I just, I want to serve people. And if no one ever sees it, beautiful. Thank you, Lord. We must actively, oh, thanks, Tash, you jumped ahead. You're awesome. Okay, so we must actively kill self-promotion. We must actively serve people. We must actively live for Jesus and let him build how he sees best. I'll finish with this. But how, there's something I want to pull out here because I want us to constantly be creating a healthy culture within our leadership team. Jesus did not correct the desire to lead. He didn't say, whoever among you desires to be a leader is desiring a sinful thing and should completely remove that desire. He doesn't say that. In fact, the Bible goes so far in 1 Timothy 3 as to say, anyone who desires the office of overseer desires a good thing. So hear me out. Jesus is not correcting a desire to lead. He's just correcting the view that leaders have. If you desire to lead people, great. I love it. I'm with you. I want to help you. And guess what? How do we lead people? We serve. We become slaves to the kingdom of God. Jesus is not against leadership. He's against the desire to be praised. Let's say it again. Jesus is not against leadership. He's against the desire to be praised. Let me sit at your throne next to you. Let people look at me when they're worshipping you. No, heck no. None of that in my kingdom. So... Philippians 2, 9 and 11, it finishes with this. Because of that obedience, because Jesus actively served and laid down his life, God lifted him high and honored him far beyond anyone or anything ever so that all created beings in heaven and on earth, even those long ago dead and buried, will bow in worship before this Jesus Christ and call out in praise that he is the master of all to the glorious honor of God the Father. James chapter 4, verse 10 says, Humble yourself before the Lord, and He will lift you up. God is looking for people who will say yes to leadership. But it's not a hierarchy filled with privileges. It's a position of honor where we serve the world. And in that moment, I have no idea where, I'm not going to say this side of eternity, I'm not going to, it's not some garbage. Like if you say yes to running a sozo group, God's going to meet all your needs. You'll never be sick. It's fantastic. God lifts you. It's not that. If anything, life will probably get tougher because there's, let's be honest, biblically, there's more attack against people who lead other people. Romans chapter 8 says the devil tries to strike the shepherd so the sheep scatter. It's not going to be easy. But if you would say yes to leadership with a heartbeat of, I desire to serve people. I want to lead people. I think God will start to do amazing things in your life, but I want to qualify it with this. Please, again and again, not talking about just here. 
When, I, when we speak on serving, I'm not just talking about rosters, I'm talking about everywhere. When I speak on you being a leader, I'm not just talking about here, I'm talking about everywhere. In your workplace, to see yourself as a leader of the kingdom of God, to start praying into the atmosphere, to start believing for things to happen. Once again, when we were here at the funeral on Friday, we, had, we put worship music on before, and John Lear at the back, and they're like, is this worship music? We all said, absolutely, we want the presence of God here. Non-Christians walking in. That's lit. We're dictating. We're saying, no, I want the kingdom of God here right now. It's not a position, friends. I want you to start to do it. Hey, my, someone in my family is sick. I'm going to be praying. I'm going to fast for them. That's leading as a servant. Hey, someone, one of my friends is struggling right now. I'm going to go and see them. I'm going to take them out for dinner and see how they're going. This is leading as a servant. Jesus wants people to be servant leaders. He wants that. The one... This blows my mind. The one quality Jesus asked for leaders to have of his church was that they serve. Still blows my mind. I'd love significantly more black and whites from Jesus about how he wants his church to look. Paul gives a few. 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1. Peter gives some in 1 Peter 5. Jesus gives one. John 13. You want to be used by me? Go and be a servant of all. I've done this to set an example for you. Go and follow. That's freaking it. How many structures, how many pastors? I don't know. Okay. So it's pretty big to him that he wants you and I to be servants of all. Amen? I can't stress enough, it's so much more important than rosters. It's your heart. He says, I want to serve people. And just, if you don't know what it looks like, if that's ambiguous to you, it just looks, I don't even know where to start. Literally just when you see someone, just this one question, how can I help? Just like get that one question in your vocab, just get it so in there subconsciously it comes up. Hey, how can I help? It's a good place to start. They'll tell you. <laughs> People often need some kind of help. So can we be this as well? Firstly, can we thank God that he did this for us? He left heaven, laid aside his privileges to come down and serve us. This Christmas we get to celebrate the birth of an infant that was so dependent on Mary that couldn't do anything for itself. That is the author of life. That's how much he humbled himself for you and I. Can we rejoice in that? Number two, can we mirror image that to the world? Let's go and serve people. Amen? Can I close our eyes? Can we close our eyes for a bit before we finish? I'd love to pray with you. Jesus, we love you. Lord, we thank you for serving us. What an honor. What a powerful truth. You did not come to be served. When they tried to make you king, you fled. When the devil offered you the kingdoms of the world, you rebuked him. Every time you had an opportunity for honor and power, you said no. When your disciples asked, is it now that you restore the kingdom of Israel on earth? You corrected them. Lord, we thank you for serving us and not chasing positions on earth, but be becoming selflessly obedient in life and death. We love you. First and foremost, we thank you for that. And second, help us to copy that. Lord, help us to replicate you to the world, imitate you in everything we do. Help us to imitate you to our friends that more than just needing 
to be challenged with some thoughts. Help us to be the hands and feet of Jesus this side of eternity. We love you so much, God. This Christmas season, I pray that you would give us opportunities to serve our friends and our family that don't know you well, that just in practical things, questions, being there for them, encouraging them, that they would feel so loved, so honored, and that you would sow seeds of life in their heart. I pray for our friends and family to meet you this Christmas season, divine moments, divine conversations around why Jesus came. Thank you, Lord. With every eye still closed and every head still bowed, I'd love to see if there's anyone here this morning that does not know Jesus. You might have heard that name, but literally as we were singing about him this morning and preaching about a God who came because he loves you, to serve you, something went off in your heart. If something changed in your heart and you said, yeah, I want that Jesus, I recognize now how much he loves me. I want to live with him and for him. The good news I bring to you today is you have to do nothing more than make a decision in your heart that you believe in him and you'll live for him. So this morning with every eye closed and every head bowed, I'm not going to get you up in front of anyone. After the service, I'd love to pray with you. I'll be at the front. I'd love to meet you after the service. But right now with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're here and you've never known Jesus or you knew Jesus, called yourself a Christian, however you know today that you are not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, I would love to encourage you to come back to Him today. Every eye closed, just me looking around. If that's you, could you just lift your hand high and go, Dan, that's me. I want Jesus in my heart. I want Jesus in my life. I recognize religion is not helping me. I want a relationship with the one true God. If that's you, no one's looking around but me. Just quickly lift your hand high and go, Dan, that's me. I want Jesus. This Christmas, I want Him. I recognize how much he did for me. I want to come back to him. Five more seconds if that's you. Just lift your hand high. Thank you, Lord. Church, can we stand to our feet? We're going to pray together yet again. So if you really hate it, need to go to the bathroom, feel free right now. But... Uh, I was going to stop it, but I'm just hearing too many reports about beautiful moments. I, thanks Lee, <laughs> I, I don't really want just a, a culture here where prayer exists on an altar where a few select leaders get to pray for you. As much as I believe in the Bible, we believe in James 5, if anyone's sick, call on the elders, they'll come and pray. We believe in the power of the, the leadership team. I also believe that every single person here who calls himself a Christian is filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe every Christian here can call on the name and authority of Jesus Christ. I believe every Christian here is called to grow in their discipleship journey, being used by God to help someone else. So that's why we pray for each other. And it's really simple. It's re keep it as simple as you want. There's no right or wrong. Just love on them and pray for them. So if anyone is here and you have any need at all right now, finances, if you have health issues going on, if there's family tensions right now, if your heart is just breaking for the, the division and, and tension around the border and you're not sure what Christmas or next year looks like and that's bringing any kind of fear or anxiety to you, if anything's going on in your world right now, I'm going to ask you to be bold. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. 
And I'm going to ask Christians around you for like one minute, just one minute, to pray for you. Okay? So Calm's going to lead us in worship. We're going to sing for literally a minute. If that's you, lift your hand high. Any need at all, lift your hand high. Let's be the body. Amen, church? Let's be the body. I'd love anyone, if you look around, if you see someone with their hands up, just go and pray for them. Pray encouraging. Pray God's love to fill them. Pray for an answer. Pray for peace. Pray for joy. We've got a couple of ladies down the front that need prayer. They're going to pray for each other. Anyone else who wants to come on over? Believe that your prayers are powerful. Believe God's word. If you ask, you shall receive. Seek, you will find. Knock and the door will be opened.